Hello, friends. It's Monday, October 16th, and Chapo is back with you. Um, just on a personal note, this is my first show that I've recorded back in New York City after spending uh, nearly all of the, about three weeks in L.A. I'm back in the city now, and uh, recording today's episode really feels like, uh, as someone who you know talks about the news for a living and uh, people come to come to us, for, I don't know, analysis or entertainment or comedy. I mean, like, this is a hard one to do because I feel like over the past week, I've absolutely hit a limit on just, like, the, my ability to use words to communicate the adequate level of horror and disgust that I feel um, for the country I live in and its government. And I realize, like, I don't want to get solipsistic to talk about the way this all makes me feel but I bring this up because I'm sure if you're listening to this right now, you're probably feeling the same thing. And I also want to acknowledge that while these like unspeakable events are taking place and it really feels like uh, grief and despair creep in, I have to note the absence of Matt from our show right now and talk about how difficult that is for me. Uh, I mean, like, and the thing is, like, I know Felix and I have a lot to say about what's going on in Palestine right now. But I just want to acknowledge myself, because I'm sure for you, the listener, are probably thinking the same thing, uh, just the, the huge vacancy that we all feel right now in, in missing Matt's humor, his intelligence, his anger. And I, you know, like, and by way of talking about that, I just want to say that, like, it, it is frustrating for me that we cannot tell you any, any more about Matt. Like, it's sort of um, no news is good news. Like, I, I guess what I can say is that he still is in the hospital. He is stable. And he is with his wife and daughter. So that is what you need to know right now about Matt. But like, just I, I want to acknowledge at the beginning of the show, like to talk about how serious and how fucking terrifying uh, world events have gotten, like to, to feel that absence of Matt from this program and from from being like an active participant in like, you know, in witnessing and, and commenting on what is happening in the world today is, is I'm, I'm feeling it acutely right now. And I suppose that's where I want to begin on today's show. I will say, yeah, like over the past week, like I think I hit my absolute limit for horror and disgust when I saw the White House press secretary call any calls for a ceasefire to be, quote, disgraceful and repugnant. And it's just one of those situations where you have to like face the reality that like as far as our government and media goes, there is absolutely nothing you can say or do to affect what they are doing right now, which is actively enabling and encouraging a genocide. I mean, it seems ridiculous to talk about war crimes in this situation because what's going on right now, I think, has revealed the complete falsity of the entire like inter of international law and human rights as they're currently practiced by Western powers. But I'll say this, like, because I don't I don't want to wallow in despair because I, I realize that that's a luxury that is afforded me being completely protected from the violence of these events. But what I will say is that, like, as far as the governments and media of just about every Western country in the world uh, who is now just openly agreed to look the other way while Israel just carries out a slaughter of, of, the, of a captive civilian population. But I will say, like, for, for all of the, the efforts of, of the governments, whether it be the American, EU, or Israeli government and their various mouthpieces in the media, their propaganda campaign has worked in so much as that there is, like, basically nothing the civilians of any democratic country can do to stop the support for, for this horrible, 
horrible crime being perpetrated in our names. But it has failed entirely in terms of like the actual public opinion of the world. And I know things look really bleak right now, but it, like I, I think it should be noted that like while this is happening, I think we've seen over the entire planet over the last week tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people marching in solidarity with Palestine and probably the largest outpouring of support and solidarity for Palestine that the world has ever seen. I mean, and, and also keep in mind, this is happening in Europe, in which those wonderful uh, European democracies are currently criminalizing a display of the Palestinian flag. People, I've, I've heard accounts of people in Paris being arrested for speaking Arabic. So like in the face of all that, I think um, the world opinion is, 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 I think, not reflected in the actions of the states that populate the world and their governments. But I think world, I think it is very clear what is going on right now. And I think everybody sees that. And the, the horrible sinking feeling of, li- of living in a reality where everyone can see what's going on right in front of their eyes and, the, and, like, and, and, and to feel the horror of what that truly encompasses and then to see the complete opposite and the complete, the, just the absolute lies and evil and hypocrisy that we see from our media and our government who are supposed to, or just any, with, with very, very few exceptions, like our, our leaders in this country. And the, the just the unspeakable evil and the the just um, horrible crime that they are all now actively partaking in. And I know that's a lot to say at the beginning of the show, but I, I feel like I had to get it off my chest. I frankly don't do not think it's true that we have absolutely no effect. I um, look, this is the most off balance I have seen both Israel and the United States caught in a, you know, in Israel centric thing in a very long time maybe ever, maybe ever in our lifetimes. There is true horror that is undeniable. There is open calls for genocide, as there have been from the Israeli side for many years. There is a legitimate attempt at a final solution here. But I I see both Israel and the United States struggling to get out of the chair and stand up. There is a legitimate sense I get that they do not know what they want to do next. I was just going to talk about that. It, it's because it seems to be like I was going to bring up like specifically what I'm seeing from European governments right now. Um, where like in for the last like for early last week, they were all completely on board um, for basically just calling to raise Gaza. They ended all aid to Palestinians. Yeah, under the guys that it just it. Oh, it's going to go to terrorism one way or the other. But as far as, you know, like Israel cutting off all power, electricity, gas, medicine, food from Gaza, and their open, like just open description of their axis, like they, they, they perceive no civilians in Gaza whatsoever, that, that, that the European governments are absolutely signing on for war, to, to, as parties to a war crime, which makes them as guilty as the people carrying it out. And I was... I was particularly struck by one Tory minister in the UK government who I'm sure is, I mean, I would imagine he's opposed to war crimes laws, probably because he knew that this situation would exactly, would be the one to arise in which um, all of the treaties to human rights and war crimes like that, that Western countries have signed on to or authored, uh, makes us responsible for what Israel is doing right now, which is absolutely a war crime. And And I think you're right, Felix. Um, I don't know if you read uh, Seymour Hersh's reporting on this. Yes, but 
his sources in the Israeli government all, all reflect what, uh, what you've said and what Mohammed and others have pointed out is that they absolutely do not trust their infantry for any kind of invasion or occupation of Gaza. So they're going to rely on their air force and some of the most powerful non-nuclear weapons ever created to contain or degrade uh, Hamas in their view, but basically just to punish the people of Gaza as much as possible, yeah, as much that- as they can get away with. But they're they're not like they they're, they they I think they all understand that they are not getting rid of Hamas. Right. Uh, the, I, I I mean, I think even they know clearly that um, these indiscriminate airstrikes, um, the triple taps, the um, purposeful destruction of hospitals, of communications, uh, targeting schools, uh, bombing the this, Rafah crossing. Yeah, this does not really prevent Hamas from being able to do anything. And they know that. I mean, when um, Hitler killed that entire village that uh, Reinhard Heydrich was assassinated near, he knew that that wouldn't necessarily uh, kill every partisan. I mean, this is a a clear policy. Israel used to be a bit more open about uh, describing and advertising the policy of disproportionate response. We have seen less of that because in addition to the strategic off-balancedness of it all, there's also a real sense that the Israeli information machine does not quite know what it wants. But they know, despite everything, that the only way that they could affect Hamas's capabilities in a permanent way would be reoccupying Gaza. And I mean, have you ever seen this many friendly fire incidents? by yeah. a major armed force in the modern era in this short of a time ever. I've asked a lot of people. I have asked uh, a bunch of people who, you know, would not have a reason to lie or stretch the truth or anything. No one remembers this many friendly fire incidents, whether it is Israeli squadrons firing on each other, Israeli uh, platoons freaking out and killing settlers that they have been given priority to uh escort it's like six months of what we would get reported to us about uh u.s troops in the first year of afghanistan it it seems like we're getting every three days on the israeli side yeah and i guess um like to your point that like to amend my uh, original comments like it's not that there's i don't think anything to be done here i just like i i mean more in light of I don't know, just a lot of the um, commentary I've seen on this that seems to presume that like that if you speak about this in a correct way, it will gain you points in the media or that like or that speaking truth about the history of Palestine and what Israel is doing to it will that you will be awarded some credit for not being accused of being a terrorist or an anti-Semite. I mean, yeah, like like, I, I guess I'm just like. I'm struck by the fact that like uh, all like most of the people that are demanding that like everyone, you know, everyone in the West, like forcefully condemn the killing of unarmed non-combatants in war is like saying that there's never a reason for anyone to ever do that. Are all the same people that are carving out the biggest possible exemption for when it comes to killing unarmed women and children in a fucking war. One of those exceptions I saw was, um, just being a child doesn't necessarily mean you're innocent. Oh, yeah. That was the, the, is, the lady who said know, that some kids are serial killers. Yeah. How do you just do the rest of your day after that? Just, yeah. What, do you go into your family group chat after saying that? I mean, I, I guess when I, when I see, when I, when I see like the, the ways in which um, 
this horror is being perpetrated or talked about in the media. And like, I mean, one, one can't help but feel like uh, despair in terms of the fact that like people have not just learned nothing, but are like actively like, you know, actively choosing to like to that, that learning anything or, or, or calling for a ceasefire or, or that like, just because you feel afraid or that like there are victims on your side that you can countenance, just absolute barbarism because you need to be feel safe that anyone suggesting otherwise is your enemy and a traitor. I mean, like they, they just, they loved nine 11 so much. It was the best thing that ever happened to them. And they want to go back to that feeling again. Uh, but at, at the same time, some of the propaganda I've seen coming out to justify this is so embarrassing that like I, you can even see it in the faces of like the people on the BBC or CNN who have to repeat it. Like all this Hamas is ISIS stuff. It's like, come on. Does that mean, does and, that, mean that Israel is going to start giving them aid? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's going to send their medics to help them. Yeah. No, yeah, it, it's just baffling. I Again, I get the sense that they don't know what they want to do. They don't know what point they want to get across. It's incredibly confused. Um, one thing I've noticed, this is more on the American side uh, than the IDF side, is have you noticed that, I mean, this has always been a thing in like anti-Palestinian propaganda, but I feel like people get just like they're, they're on their way to try to get other talking points out, but they get stuck making lurid fantasies of like an American gay guy getting tortured to death by Palestinians. It's like, like, (laughs) like, I have seen probably no less than like three dozen a day of this. Just anytime someone is wearing like, a shirt with the pride flag on it and is saying like, there should be a ceasefire. Oh, what do you, what do you think would happen to you in Gaza? And then just like the most lurid description. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's that obviously, but it's like, okay, it is, it's very weird how laws criminalizing being gay were such a small thing. So not a big deal when, uh, Israel normalized relations with the United Arab Emirates that we did not even hear about these laws in the UAE when that came up. I'm sure they just forgot. It's very weird when these laws become deal breakers. Yeah. But it's it, it's like they don't even, I, I don't even think that they care about these laws anyway. It's just like a violent fucking murder fantasy. Yeah. And like, I mean, like back to our, the show we did last one, I mean, like, as you said, Felix, like, Israel and the the West have been caught completely unguarded by this, and Israel's military was badly humiliated by 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 what, what Hamas did in that in that raid into Israeli territory, badly humiliated, and suffered a great deal of casualties in in the process. So that like everything that's come after that, like they knew they knew what they wanted to do in response to that. That's the way that they can feel strong again. Is like I said, by bombarding their you know. Uh, the the prison full of slaves that they've been keeping for the last you know God knows how many decades now, um, so like what would justify that, like in the minds of like the, like an average person, like what would justify even in response to terrorism, like is that justified? And it's just like for most people the answer is no until you start coming up with stories about how they're raping babies. Yeah, yeah, no, just the most insane things they can come up with, and get this is something I thought, you know, the week of when there was that rush to condemn and that rush to, like, find people who weren't condemning in the right way, even if they did condemn or uh, people are talking about it in the wrong way. The search for the perfect answer, the perfect response that will anger no one, 
No one will call you any names. And uh, because he said the magic words, you will get your preferred policy. One thing I thought just like in, in, in practical terms is no one wants innocent people like unarmed people to be killed. But like, can we wait a little while? Can we wait a week to find out exactly what happened? And I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but uh, a survivor of one of the kibbutz attacks, they said in an interview that Israel pulled from the air that Israeli forces fired on their own hostages. I, I like did see it, that the electric yeah. intifada covered it. Uh, I've just, I've been, I'm, I'm waiting to see it uh, get picked up elsewhere. But yeah, like I've seen a lot of reports um, from the survivors of uh, the, these attacks on the, the kibbutz. And like, look, as, as Mohammed said, like, uh, there's no doubt that Israeli civilians were killed in this attack. Right. There's no doubt. But like, keep in mind that like, okay, waging a war against civilians is always wrong. Well, the Israeli government just said it's okay to wage war on civilians in Gaza because they voted for Hamas. Leaving aside the fact that like half the population of Gaza was not 18 or even alive when that election took place. Oh, by the way, the election that they, Israel, also supported Hamas in. Right, right. And like, look, I mean, the obvious corollary here is like that could easily be applied to any citizen of Israel or the United States. I mean, like we voted for a fascist genocidal government a lot fucking, a lot fucking more recently than uh, Gazans supposedly did. And like, yeah. like you can't, like, I don't think people do, like anyone just deserves to die because of the accident of like the country they were born in and the culture that they were raised in. But like the terms of this war have been set a long time ago. And it is unquestionably, this is like the latest escalation in what has been like for decades now, an ongoing war that is necessarily to be prosecuted must be fought against Palestinian civilians, must be fought against Palestinian birth rates. That, that, are the, that is the terms of engagement that has been set by Israel and the West as far as this conflict goes about what is acceptable and what is acceptable to pursue in the name of your security. And the fact is any living Palestinian within that, the area of the world known as Israel or Palestine is considered an existential threat to the Israeli state and they are treated as such. Yeah. And, um, you know, beyond, uh, methods of population control and mass killings and, uh, deprivation, subjugation that we, you know, we think of as depersonalized, that we assign a sort of like moral lack of responsibility to, right? With airstrikes or even something as deliberate as limiting the exact amount of calories to go to the exact minimum for people in Gaza. Things like this that are done in a bureaucratic way that we think, uh, even if you do this, even if you sign off on this, you can go and live the rest of your life and even condemn others. There is a lot of that on the Israeli side, but I think amidst that people have forgotten if we're talking about armed groups of irregulars going door to door and committing pogroms and killing people very fucking up close and personal, there's really no shortage of stories about Israeli settlers doing that. Like, being an Israeli settler is not a fun life. It's pretty shitty. You would only do that if you were really trying to make a point. And a lot of them seem to make that point in more openly, up close and personal genocidal ways than others. Mm -hmm. A lot of them. And I, I mean, I guess like in, in, in the Western conception of who is, who is justified 
in in using violence as in in, in like in what they claim is self defense like who is justified in killing civilians and again like this is a ghoulish debate and to even like have it is honestly honestly to kind of play into the the terms of the people prosecuting it but like i i guess my question is like if there were a group of people that looked like you and by like you, if I'm talking to you, listener, chances are I probably mean like white people. And I mean, I, I pose this question to the entire Western media and American culture. If there were a group of people that looked like us, as we broadly define it, being treated the way that Israel treats Palestinians, would you have any respect for them at all if they didn't fight back? And in fact, and, and in fact, wouldn't their, wouldn't their submission to, to, to a state of oppression as, as brutal as what Israel prosecutes against them, wouldn't that be in some way a justification for their ongoing dispossession? Um, I mean, yeah, that there, that was previously sort of uh, an arena they would delve into, you know, with arguments in favor. This was more something you saw in like the late nineties, early two thousands when it was more of like, you know, a, a depth star setup. There was, um, I would say broadly, back then that the situation in a global sense, there seemed to be less avenues for this, right? Like there just seemed to be no challenge to U S power. It just did not seem like a lot of uh, global power had begun coalescing in other places. Um, there was no left for the most part in most places that could affect policy. But that was the argument, right? That like, oh, the, actually, these people like signed a fucking piece of paper. Uh, actually, like, l look how uh, fucked up and incompetent, like, you know, PLO is. These people, they don't really want it. It was like uh, arguments you see about high school football teams on Rivals.com. I mean, uh, another really um, horrific thing that I want to bring up, and like, I, I don't say this because I think, you know, uh, American lives are, it's more of a tragedy when they die, but like, okay, there were Americans killed by Hamas in the, you know, first day or hour of their incursion into, into Israel. But, or, and there, there may, I think there's maybe even a few Americans that were taken hostage by Hamas as well. But there are between five and 600 Americans currently in the Gaza Strip because, you know, the, their family lives there. Like they live there. Um, the U.S. State Department has, after initially, of course, you know, laying at the feet of Hamas every single dead American, has officially said the Blinken State Department that they will no longer be commenting on the, the cause of any American who dies going forward in this conflict. Yeah. Which is like our own State Department just saying to Israel, yeah, you can kill American civilians if they're in Gaza. Yeah, and like I, I bring this up not because I think it's more of a tragedy if an American civilian dies, but I think it's I bring it up because it brings into stark relief like the, the, the conduct of our own government and, and like and what, what their commitments really actually mean to, to not just global human rights, but to the rights of American citizens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen this previously. There's been like an outright criminalization on the American and Israeli and Israeli side of you know, if you picked wrong, if you are, you know, made such a bad choice to, as to have your family live in, in Gaza, if you rolled the dice wrong, you are automatically looked at as criminal. If you go to visit them, if you want your kid to meet their grandparents. And now with this, that is escalated to you deserve to die. If that's the case, if you if you visited them two weeks ago and you wanted to spend some time there, if you 
wanted younger generations of your family to meet your parents or your grandparents, aunts and uncles. If you wanted that and you like the vast, vast majority of everyone, including us, did not know this was coming. Your life is forfeit and the life of your children is forfeit and the life of your family there is forfeit because just being there makes you a criminal and a terrorist. And again, I want to go back to what I said about at the beginning, specifically as it, as it relates to the, like my own government that I pay taxes to. Like, sure, I'll condemn Hamas, but I'm not sending them money. I didn't vote for them. I have no fucking influence. Like, even if I did, like, what were they, were they going to stop because Chapo Trap House said no? Whereas, like, the fucking Democratic Party and the United States government, like, it's our tax dollars that are using to fund this fucking genocide in Gaza right now. So maybe maybe focus a little bit on, like, uh, the people the people that, like, uh, who you share a country and government with that are currently killing women and children. Like, maybe maybe focus your ire a little bit more on them. And just the absolute profound evil of America, supposedly the most powerful country in the world, saying of Jewish people... Arab people, just people of conscience in the world who look at this horror and want the violence to stop, that, that, that asking for or demanding a ceasefire is morally abominable, that it is a disgrace, that it, like, that, that, that it is akin to doing the Holocaust. And these are the governments, these are the same fucking governments that just gave a standing ovation to the Waffen-SS guy who did the actual Holocaust. Like, like that's the fucking world we're living in. And, you know, I got to note there are there are many protesters out in front of the White House right now, mostly Jewish Americans demanding a ceasefire, which should be like the absolute bare minimum of any responsible nation right now is to put an end to this killing or at least a pause in it for now so that so humanitarian relief can be um, distributed to people who are dying right now. Talking about like four hospitals in Gaza now can no longer even function because of how many dead people there are and how, and how there's no medicine that like, like that's the kind of shit we're talking about. And I, Oh, Here's, an, here's another absolutely grotesque thing from this week. I know, I know in, in the past, people have gotten pissy with us for making fun of Joe Biden's obvious senility. But this is an example of when having a, a, you're the leader of your country be like, obviously, in the grips of dementia is actually kind of a bad thing. Because when he comes out and says, compares what Hamas did to the Holocaust and says, I've seen photos of beheaded babies, yeah. despite no such photo, despite that, that, that being a complete fabrication, or at least like if, if I'm sure there are photos of dead kids out there. But like the, his amplification of that absolute blood libel about like seeing photos of beheaded babies because someone told him it. He didn't see pictures of that. He just said it and repeated it. In, in service of giving license to a major ally of the United States committing a war crime and allowing them to do it with full diplomatic and military support. I mean, like the, the source for that, like the, the CNN person who put that out on CNN has already walked it back. And yeah. again, like people will, 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 you know, say like, oh, are you saying that like no children were killed? And like, no, that's not what I'm saying. But these lurid and insane fantasies of like Hamas's bloodlust for Israelis is just, like it's so obvious what's going on here, and like, and again, to even engage with it, I think is is, is dicey to begin with. Right. Yeah. Um. With Biden, do you get the sense that like he started out like in default, in default mode? Like, oh, this is two thousand nine. This is two thousand fourteen. Like, I can just say like I can give the same like carte blanche to an Israeli response. No one in America will meaningfully care about this, and uh, like even if it's bad no one will remember and like Israel will be able to like establish control instantly and we'll be fine. 
I feel like that was the just base assumption he and a lot of his administration were operating under. And then, you know, as things become clearer and, you know, you realize things like how long it took um, large numbers of Israeli forces to regain control in regions along the border, the friendly fire incidents, um, just the general unpreparedness, jumpiness and fear of the Israeli military. I think somewhere along the line, they realized that like, this is not the IDF from, you know, 30 years ago. This is the one from 20 years ago. And like, have you noticed this dance that everyone is doing, you know, just as far as like the U S military and intelligence and Israeli intelligence with like Iranian involvement. Yeah. where, where, Where it's just like, Okay, they uh they did this, they ordered this, or no, they planned this, or what? Actually, they weren't involved, or uh, you know, even if they were, uh, they don't know, they don't know, and like, I really get the sense that they're aware that like a multi front war, or even just them trying to reoccupy Gaza, it's not a guaranteed thing for them anymore, and I I feel like in previous years they would jump to like unambiguously accuse Iran of everything here. Right. But there is a palpable fear here that I see. And on the U S side, it seems like um, maybe some of it, some of the walking back that we've seen from Biden has been sort of like the broad backlash that we've seen, but also they're not really sure Israel is capable of doing this. I I have definitely uh, noticed that just in 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 this in like the progression of time from last week to now this weekend and the beginning of this week, as I said in the comments from European governments where they've basically kind of like because as we've talked about on the show like basically like everything has become so degraded that like the people whose hands are on the till are like you know the fail sons of fail sons at this point who have like even if you're trying to manage a ruthless blood soaked empire just simply don't know what the fuck to do anymore. Yeah. And like, you see that with like a Britain just realizing like, oh shit, we've just actively encouraged a war crime from another, from an allied state, like which could put us on the hook for, you know, (laughs) problems down the road. Or like I said, like as you pointed out in like, in sort of trying to beat the drums for war with Iran or kindle a larger regional war. I think like, uh, the, the White House is like uh, last week they said any calls for restraint on behalf of Israel is wholly abominable. It is anti-Semitism. Is it akin to the Holocaust? You'll notice that it is really hitting a few sites in southern Lebanon uh, yesterday. The White House has said basically tepidly, but is like, you know, unmistakably told them to chill out. Yeah. Yeah. As Israel far, as far I, as, cause I, like, I think it's pretty clear, like, it, like it, as you said, like nobody really knows what to do. And I think that they're like they're looking at the options and a lot of them. Of, of what seemed like it could have been easy before is looking like maybe way too much to swallow. Yeah. And like, look, as far as like Iranian involvement, I'm not going to act like I have some special insight here where I know one way or the other, right? None of us do. I mean, we know that like Hamas forces have trained with, you know, Iranian special forces in the past. Um, that was sort of crucial to like a development of Hamas developing their own sort of SOF detachments. Maybe even like they did help plan this. That's certainly possible. But I feel like if there was like definitive smoking gun truth, we'd 
probably be hearing about it because like, like, okay, if, if Iran had a major role in this and you're Israel, don't you kind of think like, okay, holy shit. Like if, if they did this and even if they planned, planned this, like the fact that a Palestinian group is capable of this is fucking gigantic and changes our entire calculus. And, uh, you know, it turns out the last uh, 30 years of our policies have failed. But like if they did this, if you're Israel, that makes you think that they're like close to developing a new closer than ever. Like you would probably make the choice of like, OK, this is going to be difficult, but like it's now or never. But instead, it's just this weird back and forth saying one thing, retracting it saying, Hey, I didn't say that. I, I really don't know. I don't know if Iranian involvement is, you know, much lesser than we think. I don't know if it's greater than we think. And Israel is just slowly realizing that like the more fronts are open in this war, the worse it's going to be for them. I really genuinely do not know, but they don't even seem to know immediate next steps forward at all. Just a complete confusion. And I mean, look to fucking hoochie coochie man Anthony Blinken's latest trip to the diplomatic trip to the Middle East and what can, a complete can, failure can that we, was. Yeah. Can we talk about like Anthony Blinken? He did like a minstrel show at the White House two weeks ago. And look at what's happened in the world since. <laughs> yeah. That was, in, it's that's one fault. of the most <laughs> insane things I've ever seen in my life. I've been picking cotton all day long. <laughs> like he, cotton blues. I'm a blues man. He was he was like babysit by the ghost of David Rockefeller. <laughs> <laughs> and he and he's like he thinks he's Steve Martin in the jerk. It's one of yep. the most insane things I've ever seen. I don't know. Anyway, he was uh he was a victim of sissy hypno. CC hypno, sorry. CC hypno. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, um, he was supposed to have a meeting with the MBS, and the Saudis made him wait all night. That's oh, did, you, did you read that? They, they, that? they made him wait. They made him wait till the morning to see MBS. That's the, that's the U.S. Secretary of State. They did the Phil Leotardo and, move? Well, the thing with CC is like the problem for the U.S. State Department right now is they're like, yeah, like we're totally not only are we going to countenance Israel just issuing an evacuation order to a million people and giving them twenty four hours to fucking live up to it, which is again monstrous like this an insane level of evil yeah but but then he's just saying oh they should all just go to south gaza and what just stand in a fucking field like they they got to go somewhere so like then like oh well egypt can take them so like basically they're like demanding egypt take something like a million and a half refugees from gaza while giving them nothing in return and i'm sure there's like there's some aid deal or like i'm sure i'm sure there there's a carrot in this deal somewhere for egypt but like uh, the, do, do they seem inclined to fucking help us out with this to help Israel just displace another million people in, across their border? Yeah, and I want to say, even if, even if all these people were able to evacuate and there were no Israeli strikes uh, on their routes, if none of them died, it would still be a gigantic fucking crime. That would still be a monstrous fucking act. That that would still be unforgivable. But we know it's not even going to be like that if, if this happens. And like just in general, this bullshit about um, uh, Arab nations not accepting Palestinian refugees is just 
it takes a very short time to look up. That's not true. That a lot of these countries have taken gigantic amounts of refugees in proportion to their population, especially Lebanon. Like it's, these are not rich or oftentimes stable countries. And yet they're still doing what they can. I mean, it's just, why is the onus on them even for that? They shouldn't even have to do that. The Palestinians should not even have to do this in the first place, but it just, it's this like pretty racist assumption that it's just at its base. Like, Hey, they're like Arab. You are too. What's the, what's the fucking difference between living in, in Palestine and living in, you know, Jordan, Jordan. even if the Jordanian government had isn't historically and now committed fucking atrocities in Palestinian refugee camps. It's the same thing. They use the same language. It's fine. You wouldn't say this about anyone else. I mean, yeah, like, I, I guess, like, the Palestinian, like, the, the Palestinian cause is really, like, it, it, it's so stark in the way it just brings out, like, the absolute hollowness of, like, all of, like, the liberal West commitments that we just, like, not yeah. only let this happen, but that we, like, actively, like, actually think that this is part of the Western democratic project. Because, you know, Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East, you see. They, you know, they respect a, a, a gay rights or whatever, which is, by the way, their current government certainly doesn't. Yeah. And they're certainly not trending into respecting them more. And yeah. like, again, again, I feel like I'm going fucking crazy here. Every Abraham Accord country, every all, like when, oh, my God, there's a direct flight between fucking Tel Aviv and Dubai. What do you think the laws are there? No one seemed to care then. We did, like, like I said, what I mean, yeah, like it exposes it because like it just at every point, it's just like the hypocrisy is so stunning. And like every 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 commitment to the liberal project is just trashed and thrown under, out the fucking window in like, you know, in a, in, a, in a torrent of bloodshed because these people's existence is just inconvenient. It just like it does it like it, it makes it's uncomfortable. And like and their resistance also makes us feel squishy. Like we, we feel bad when we think about them killing people. Because they're like, oh, like, ew, like that's evil. We like, we like our victims to be, you know, uh, compliant and just sort of like um, meek and um, sort of Christ-like in in the, their suffering. Because then, then we can feel we can feel good about it later when we feel bad about what our country did to them. Yeah, uh, I mean, but back to what back to what we said at the beginning, like uh, that that d- despair, especially if you are an American or a European. on this matter is certainly unwarranted and a little bit masturbatory because like like as i said like look look at the people marching in the streets look at the failure look at the complete failure not just of like the israeli security state but like their propaganda machine and like look it's hard to say it's not working when like the media is so monolithic in how it presents this issue but like consider the fact that like that is the case and you still see hundreds of thousands of people in the street risking you know employment at this point if not yeah. arrest for um for just simply saying no to to this fucking horrible act of aggression this this, uh, this, this saying no genocide like or or just at least asking for a ceasefire that the, the way these people are being slandered as nazis or like criminalized for peaceful protest is and like and they're still doing it yeah. they're still doing it yeah i like I don't at all want to strike the tone of like triumphalism. Like I'm not there, you know, I'm frankly not there. I don't have family there. I like many others watching this in America will not bear the brunt of this. Uh, But at the same time, I've just, I've never seen anyone on the Palestinian side despair. 
And I've seen times in America and the world where it seemed like there was just no one gave a shit about this at all. No one paid lip service even. No one even really noticed it was happening. It seemed like this was just going to happen slowly over the course of a few generations. And slowly the Palestinian people would be wiped out and fled from their homes. Um, I don't feel that way anymore, that no one gives a shit, that people don't notice, and that there is no route for Palestinian dignity and self-determination. I don't, I don't think any of us know what's going to happen, and I think even a good outcome, everyone is aware, would take an incredibly long amount of time, and there would still be a massive loss and degradation of human life on the way to it. But yeah, I just, I, I completely agree. I, I, we should not despair, at least in public, if they're not at all. And, you know, we're, we, we run up against this over and over again when it seems like there is no political solution to like the, the intractable problems that we face. But the thing is, you still have to try. Even if you think, even if in your heart of hearts, you think it's kind of foolish or absurd, you still have to try because at the end of the day, like that's, you, you have to look at yourself in the fucking mirror. And like, as far as trying goes, I do want to really uh, shout out and give like a, just a lot of love to Hassan, who on his yeah. stream the other day raised something like half a million dollars for Palestinian relief agencies in the span of a few hours. Like he raised one hundred and eighty thousand dollars in the first hour after going live on Twitch. And like, look, that is not I understand like the current of public opinion in this country is so rancid. But like, don't fool yourself that like it, it, everybody thinks this way. And like, uh, you know, like don't, and don't fool yourself that like the media can just control people's minds forever because like a they never have. And like it, and it really doesn't seem like it is working. It is only working on people for whom it is always worked on. And are people who are like totally committed to this and will never change their minds. This is as bleak as it's like maybe ever felt in my adult life. Or I mean, it's, it's among the top of them for a lot of reasons. But the, their, their grasp on, 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 on the, the future that they want has never been more tenuous. Yeah, they do not seem like people who believe they are in control. That yes. is all I'll say. Uh, but yeah, no, what Hassan did was incredible. It was incredible to watch. What his community did was very heartening. Yeah. No, I think it's a great reminder. No matter what cynicism you see in how people behave and how the media behaves and how our government behaves, there's there's still a lot of good out there. There are people who care. And even if in some ways this does feel as bleak or bleaker than it has you know, in my life or your life, there are also ways in which it's a lot different. There are a lot of yeah. things I just could not have imagined even in 2014. And, you know, like it's, it's so easy to like to, to give in to like nihilism or just saying fuck it all because, you know, we all remember the Iraq war. I remember millions of people marching in the streets in the, over the entire world condemning what we all knew to be true. that This was a completely unwarranted act of aggression on behalf of the Bush administration and indeed a war crime. Didn't stop the Iraq war didn't stop our media or government. And like, they certainly not only have not, it, not only have they refused to learn any lessons. I mean, the lessons they learned uh, were that they did nothing wrong and it's time to do it again. But that being said, the more grotesque and the more grotesquely cynical and, and evil, the lies that you're seeing, 
that, that the situation demands from the people who support what's going on right now, the more grotesque and cynical their lives become. Just keep in mind it's because they have to. Yeah. And if I they think had, if they had better lies, if they had better or more convincing lies to sell, they would be doing them. Yes. They don't. Yeah, absolutely. And I think unstated in all of this, and I think you see uh, a fear of this everywhere, whether it is just like, you know, outright insane people who are saying insane things that typically a targeted individual would say, like, look at this girl who's wearing the destroy Israel necklace. These are like the people that DM me on Instagram. com slash merchandise. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, but like, you know, not the, like those people for sure, but also like, you know, people on the liberal Zionist side or even like, hey, I'm on the left, but blah, blah, blah. Here's what the perfect response would have been. I think among all of them, there's this uh, tangible feeling and incredible amount of fear that they see that, you know, again, this isn't 2002, that there are there is global power elsewhere than the United States that I mean, I think Hamas themselves, their strategy here is a refutation of the idea that there is really anything more to be gained from American public opinion, that there are people and powers elsewhere and that the world is changing. I don't know if it's going to necessarily instantly change for the better or not. None of us know. But that is just frankly the truth. This is not the same world we lived in 20 years ago. By way of an example of just what we're talking about here, I would point out that um, Colombia's president, Gustavo Petro, has said that if Israel carry, continues with this, that they will sever diplomatic ties with Israel, that they will recall their ambassador, yes. which is what every, with the, the leadership of every civilized nation on this planet, Arab, European, Asian, American, it's what they should have done the second this shit started, is recall their ambassadors and sever diplomatic ties and, 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 and put Israel under extreme sanctions at the very least. But keep in mind, Colombia was basically America's biggest and most important ally in South America. That indeed, that their right-wing death squads were, in fact, many of them trained by Israeli mercenaries in how to suppress they, yeah. the popular uprisings and, uh, like, you know, uh, restive civilian populations, shall we say. Colombia, a major artery of, like, of, of U.S. Uh, empire in South America, is now their government is just saying no to this. I mean, we'll see what happens. They haven't done it yet. Uh, you know, I would, uh, the, you know, uh, Spain's uh, Minister for Social Affairs has said that um, they are like the European governments are supporting a genocide. The government of Ireland has been very good on this issue. Again, I'm not saying that this amounts to like any kind of serious sanction of Israel. These are just words at this point, but it is an example of how we are not in 2002. Yeah, no, and I, I, I would go even beyond like good responses in you know countries in Europe or places that were formerly U.S. client states. I just looking at the re reaction from like the Chinese public has been, you know, very hard to miss. Everyone is quite aware that um, America just is not, we don't carry the same weight we did not that long ago. And there is a palpable fear there. And it's not even like, uh, how much of our moral authority have we cached? Have we just fucking done a fire sale on over the last 20 or 30 years, if not our entire existence? But there was a time when people believed that about America. Right. It certainly isn't now. But like, would they even need to? Like, I mean, even if we had that same moral authority, what's happening right now in Gaza is so stark, is so stark. Like, just the, 
the wholesale extermination of a captive civilian population, the intentional bombing of hospitals, of escape routes, of just like unspeakable cruelty and madness that like, even if you believe all of the most lurid uh, depictions of what Hamas did to Israel, that would still in no way justify what Israel is doing under yeah. in any sense, in any sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I, I, I don't have much more, more to say about this. Like I, I, I thank you, the, the audience for bearing through what, you know, is a tough episode, but I, I hope that I spoke in some way to, you know, like with some clarity or, or, or some compassion to what, you all are feeling right now as well, which is, you know, like very, I would imagine, disgusted and afraid. But I mean, just, you know, like, let that be a beginning point. I got like a starting point because like, you know, we have like a safety and a freedom in this country that even if you think it's mostly worthless is like, it still counts for something, I suppose. Yeah. If you do feel helpless or paralyzed, that is not a reflection on you. That is a normal response to feel uh, at seeing true horror. But if you feel that way and you don't want to dwell in that and just do in that, we will have links to some charities that are providing much needed relief to Palestinians. Look, um, if you live in this country or the UK or anywhere else where um, they're trying to criminalize acknowledging what you see with your own eyes and you're wondering what you can do. There are real material ways that you can help people. But I'd also like to add that we're seeing a uh, very familiar demonization and dehumanization of Muslims, Arabs, of Iranians, of of people that the U S has depicted as enemies um, you want to talk about you want to talk about the utter failure of grotesque propaganda? How about that global day of jihad? Folks? Yeah, Jesus Christ! Uh, the, the only person that that killed was a fucking six year old in Chicago. Yeah, who who happened to be a Arab? Yeah, and killed by a landlord too. Yeah, Jesus Christ! Um, just fucking horrible. But um, just please, if you want to do something and you've uh, given what you can give. Please just keep seeing these people as you always have, as as human beings, as your neighbors. Treat them the same way that you always have. Please, they they need they need decent people to stand by them now. And I understand, like in, in times like these, like tensions are very high, and people's emotions are very torqued up, and people like rightly feel like you know fear causes people to lash out. And like I totally understand that urge. Like I feel it myself, but I'll just tell you like on a, on a stupid personal level, the deal I've made with myself, which is that if I choose to engage with any of the like, you know, mind rendingly stupid propaganda and evil that I see on social media, which is, let's be honest, how the majority of us are experiencing this crisis. If I choose to engage with any of that, I will for every one that I do, I will donate to a Palestinian relief organization because like I, I feel like it, if, if 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 you're just kind of lashing out, you know, it's just like put put some fucking put some paper behind it at the very least. And I'm not saying don't lash out, don't make fun of people, don't be trollish on social media. I'm not I'm not scolding fucking anyone. I'm just saying for my part, my purposes, I've tried to restrain myself because I think like as much as like I I understand the instinct is like so present in me. Like I like if I'm gonna do it, if I'm gonna engage on this topic publicly, I'm gonna pony up some money every time I do it. I think that's a great personal rule. 
I think, it, you know, if you, if you have money you can part with, if you're comfortable, that is, that is a great rule to follow. I think we should all follow that. All right. Um, I think we can leave it there for today. Uh, I, I guess just to, to close things out on a personal note, I, I mentioned that this is my first episode back in New York City and obviously I'm feeling, you know, kind of, you know, uncomfortable and vulnerable to like have, having left LA and with, we're dealing con- continuously with like with Matt's um, health situation. And like the last few weeks have been immensely difficult for, for all of us. But I just want to say for the time that Catherine and I spent in LA, I want to thank uh, Chris and Molly, of course, Amber Rollo, who hasn't, you know, endured more in the last month or so than I just about any human being that I've known in my life. And I, I truly have to send my love and appreciation to her, but just to everyone in LA who's helped us over the past week, who came to the hospital, who, um, you know, like provided a meal, who did anything for Matt and Amber right now, you all know who you are and that will always be with me. I will always be a ride or die for everyone. You know who you are. Um, but just, Absolutely. and also like your love, the love and support of you, of you guys, the listeners, it's just it's 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 meant a lot, and it's 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 pulled me through what has been you know an incredibly an incredibly difficult time for for myself and the show. Probably not going to plug the movie screening <laughs> at the end of this episode. That's all right. All right, we'll, we'll leave it there for today. Till next time. Bye bye. Bye.